Dome Dandies and Brain Babes. Take cover under the presidential desk. Get Agent Scully on the phone. And, sir, the enemy has breached our defenses. They've gotten all the way to our third base. Because it's time to talk tall to me. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. I am Omen Thomas Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are the Feckless Moes. And this, my little knob gobblers, is Talk Tall to Me. A fishing expedition down at the old Prague Rock glory hole in which Knob Master Nick and orally fixated Omen will polish the chrome off of every single hair trigger track that road rollicking rock band Jethro Tull have ever let loose from the confines of their denim prisons. We will fall to our knees in praise of Aqualung, give Sea Lion a very special sponge bath, take just the dipper of the Big Dipper, and find a brand new house for one brown mouse. Yes, and once the one-eyed Dutchman is really flying, we will prove that though batteries are not included, with us there to help you, and you probably will not even need them. We'll reduce your one white duck to nothing at all. And how did we learn all these cunning linguistic skills? We got it all from our soft-touch teacher, the great skin flautist himself, Ian Irumation Anderson. It's all been leading up to this. It all comes down to this. I would love to tell you what Irumation is, but I cannot tell you over the podcast. You'll have to look it up yourself. Don't look it up when the kids are around. Yeah, don't Probably. do that. Probably. Although it may be a good way of preventing children if you don't have them already. Yes, Nick, We <sighs> this is a track which we have referenced several many times. So several many. Leading up to this episode, it is... Kissing Willie. It is Kissing Willie. As everybody has expected. However, it's also the start of Rock Island. I can't see the island for the Willies. <laughs> Let's not let Kissing Willie overshadow the fact that this is the start of a new album. Please. Before we get into the track itself, mm -hmm. I'm curious to know if we have any personnel updates as we are getting into Rock Island. What is Rock Island, Nick? We do. We do. So Rock Island was 17th studio album released in 1989. We were just wow. wee bairns at the time. Our... Lineup is as follows. Ian Anderson, vocals, flute, acoustic guitar, keyboards, synclavier, mandolin, drums, percussion on tracks two and seven. Martin Barr, acoustic guitar, electric guitar. Dave Pegg, bass guitar, acoustic bass, mandolin. Don Perry, drums and <gasps> percussion. Don Perry! That's right, Don steps in. Then we've got Martin Alcock, keyboards on tracks one and ten. Peter John Vitesi, additional keyboards, tracks three through six. And Mark Tucker mixes everything. Tucker, I hardly have been introduced. <laughs> A quick little blurb in front of the album on silent singing from Ian. 
As with Crest of a Knave, we were largely without a permanent keyboard player at the time of this record, mm -hmm. so I shared those duties with Martin Alcock and Peter John Vitesse. Don Perry played on some tracks, and I programmed a few drum parts, too, which I guess must be two and seven. Oh, interesting. It's another of those dark albums which spilled from my notional pen, quite often a pencil, but a couple of upbeat fun songs made an appearance, too like the frankly embarrassing first song. Not much to say about this one that it doesn't loudly and lewdly say for itself. <laughs> I suppose I could emphasize the vague possibility that the William in question might be the best friend of the jealous protagonist and competitor yeah. in love. Mm -hmm. Okay, forget it. Since Undressed to Kill is not that much less obvious, but playing with words is fun. Stepping into the character of the typical macho male down at the boozer with his mates recounting body tales is not really me, nor is it the character of the other various band guys for that matter. If anything, we verge on the slightly prudish when in each other's company in vans and dressing rooms. I like to occasionally explore various male stereotypes, but thus far have avoided writing songs about football, ice hockey, and arm wrestling. <laughs> Ears of Tin is set in the Scottish Highlands, and the title track alludes to a remote, fictitious island where loneliness and isolation are loosely explored. Another Christmas song is probably my long-term favorite, oozing nostalgia, reflection, and dislocated family relationships. It seems all the more poignant in this year of pandemic. Something to note about Martin Alcock, following in the long tradition of the Fairport Convention to Jethro Tull Pipeline. Yep. He was a keyboard player for them. My favorite part about Martin Alcock is his the, his first name has two A's. It's Martin. 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 And two L's in the last one. Oh. Martin Alcock. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ian, though you may verge on the prudish, we prude on the vergish, and we are excited to dive in to the track Kissing Willie with all of our lewdness uh, intact. That we are. I hope to lose my virginity by the end of this podcast. So we are going to do something extra, extra special right now. We are actually going to watch the music video of this song. And we will talk about the music video and then the music itself. I have my ocular bleach ready and waiting. <sighs> yes, probably going to be needed. Let's have a gander. Nick McGill. I'm I'm sorry, I was crushed by the weight of that heavy hand. That is immediately Absolutely, by far, hands down, my favorite Jethro Tull music video. Not just because of the sexualized content, but because it is so ridiculous and so much fun. It's absurd to the nth degree. Yes, exactly. Just when you think it can't, it does. I think it's easy to think, like, how could they think that this was a good idea? But I, I think it's taking the piss. Like, I can't imagine that they were like, oh, this is like, we're really seriously trying to do this here. Well, you know, I think that British, I think that there's a little bit of a, a British American translation that has to happen. Mm -hmm. British bodiness is, I think, a little bit more overt typically, or there's mm -hmm. more room for 
for the winks and nudges to be wetter than than in America. <laughs> we still are laboring under the the yoke of our Puritan founders. Right. That's the the big demarcation between the UK and the States in terms of its media in general is it's all about violence here and we and how dare we ever even think about sex. And over there, they don't ever do anything really violent and it's sex is very readily viewable. And even the sex that's on TV in America is violent. Yes, it's violent or it's glorified, whereas like it's just a thing over there. Yeah, and I think that this is clearly an example of some people having a very good time creating music, a sexy music video about about fellatio. And there is some hilarious stuff in there, but let's let's give the setting first. So it starts out in kind of a generic old-timey pub. Mm-hmm. And there's a, about 10 seconds of just general crowd talk. Hubbub. And then you, hubbub. Yeah. And you see men men being men and or men being bald at least and drunk pawing at the at the women serving the beer at the body serving ladies yes yeah. and then there's a little bit of flirtation that goes on and then you see Ian Anderson up on the balcony kind of reprising his minstrel in the gallery role yeah going yep, yep, yep. Shh. and the song starts out you have some of the band members miming playing on old timey looking instruments yeah where it gets really interesting for me is when it switches into the world of the court mm-hmm. we're suddenly in this kind of scarlet pimpernel Feels very Gardens of Versailles. Mm-hmm. What would that be? Seventeen hundreds, I guess. I think so. Yeah. Vibe of the of some courtly people trying to. The first shot of that of that world is a gentleman like practicing kissing by himself in a in a powdered wig. <laughs> is and, that what that was supposed to be? <laughs> and a beauty mark. It seems like it to be. He was like this. And then I'll get that. I'll take it like, and he's just alone in like a bower. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. And then there's lots of. People running back and forth, and then it, it slowly gets sillier and sillier, and you have a lot of hilarious imagery. Yeah. It's very Python-esque. It's very Python-esque. You throw Rowan Atkinson in there, and it's it's straight out of Black Adder. Like, I, yes. I expected to see him pop up at some point in there. Which is about the right time for, for this. That would have yeah. been, you know, a little late for the Monty Python films, but... Yeah. Black Adder was, I think, mid-early 80s? Well, it, it went from 83 to 89, but the 89 season was uh, World War One. so. Life of Brian was, was 79, so 10 years before. Oh, wow. Okay. I actually thought for a second that one of the people in it was Stephen Fry. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, I mean, and, and he was in Blackadder as well, so like, it would fit. It would work. But I, I don't think it actually was. No, I don't think so. Probably not. Just to cherry pick some of the delightful imagery, there's a wonderful moment of an uh, an old guy sitting down and a beautiful lady comes toward him and alluringly gazes at him and then bends down with pursed lips as if she's going toward his crotch. And then the, the shut cuts, the, the shut cuts, the, sh- the shot cuts and she's like bestowing a kiss on a beautiful Cavalier King Charles <laughs> that's on his lap. <laughs> stupid. It's so, it's great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's all poorly disguised, if even attempted disguised euphemism, and it's all quick cut shots. It's the most obvious puns and illusions you'll get, and and it's so it's so absurd. It's so funny. I rate it far above what was the vampire one? Oh sweet dream. <laughs> 
There's a lightness to this video, which I really appreciate. It really seemed like everyone was having yeah. was having fun. There's a, a number of shots of somebody holding an anthurium plant, which is that if you picture sort of it has one big red petal and then a huge yeah. phallic stamen yeah. sticking out of it. There's a guy wandering around with a huge log. Yeah, for some reason. Yeah, that he's sort of positioning against his crotch. I mean, there's jesters. It's great. I think there's a lesson to be had here. And it's no matter what walk of life you're from, you're going to get it on. You're going to have a good time kissing Willie or smelling the flowers or yeah. or smooching the King Charles. Yeah. Unless you're that one Greek priest who died on an island after having been delivered there as a baby and never saw a woman his entire life. And maybe even he got it on. In, insert slide whistle here. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he did. I do want to make a little literary parallel to the Decameron. I've been reading nice. Boccaccio's Decameron for a number of, feels like years now, probably not that long. And a lot of the stories in that book are, oh, so-and-so was married to so-and-so, but had a, had a secret friend. Yeah. Or, you know, so-and-so was married to this person, but lusted after the wife of this person. And the whole story is about how can he get her to bed? And so there's all this kind of like, oh, in society, we're playing this. We're playing that we're very pious. And then as soon as it's behind closed doors, we're getting it on. There was a lot of that kind of vibe in this video with the royal scenes, mm -hmm. with the sort of court scenes, where it's all of that intrigue being played out and, and people yeah. trying to get some. Yeah. I read the Decameron. I took a, a like a history of comedy literature class. That's why your comedy is old. So <laughs> oh. it sounded cool, but it turned out to be actually kind of fairly disappointing because for the most part, he only he pulled out texts that were either all about sex or all about shit. And like though that was comedy to this guy. Hey. Which is a little disappointing, sure. but uh, but he did actually cover some parts of of the tramp. Who's uh, what's uh, Charlie Chaplin? Charlie Chaplin, yeah, yeah, that was the best part. Yeah, nice clean fellow, not as funny as Buster. Yeah, he get, he gets all the all the glory, but yeah. What else do we want to say about this music video except that everyone should stop what they're doing and go and watch it immediately? Yes, if you did not watch it while we were watching it, you should watch it now. End of sentence. Yeah, I'm ready to go to the music. Let's think chronologically. It's been a while since we actually touched on the time stream. Yeah, where are we? So this is 89. This is Rock Island, 89. Prior to this was 87, Crest of a Knave. Okay, okay. So think Steel yeah. Monkey, Farm on the Freeway, Jumpstart, that area. And then now we're touching into this sound, which is very similar to Crest. Yes. As soon as the track started, I was like, oh, this gives me Steel Monkey vibes a little bit. Yes, very much so. Yeah. But also, I feel like, you know, if we think of Hot Nights in Budapest, for instance, that's that's from Crest. That was the era when we were saying, 
maybe not us necessarily, but critics had said that there was a Knopflurian influence which had crept in. Yes. I don't detect that in Kissing Willie. I think that it is sort of, this to me so far, and Rock Island is the is the album, the historic album with which I'm probably the least familiar at this point. Likewise, yeah. But so far, it feels like the sound of Crest, but they've stopped giving a shit about what the public thinks. There's definitely an evolution there. And then I can also see this is kind of the quartet, I feel, Crest, Rock Island, Catfish, and Roots. They yes. kind of all fit together yes. like the folk section does to me. And they all, they dip in and out of that Knopflerian sound. A little. There's a very distinct, that Martin stingy sound. Oh, and Ian's voice is kind of fluctuating here. We're starting to hear when he starts to strain. He does, he strains in this song, actually. It's, it's starting to be a little more noticeable than it was in Crest. I would have to go back and listen because I was just focused on the strain against the pantaloons. <laughs> the strain against the zipper. I get it. I believe this is in 4-4, a nice straight forward piece to start the album off. It's a hell of a start. Content aside, boy, sonically, is this a punch it's in the face. It's great. The bass and drums coming in. Dum, dum, dum. It's so fun. The key changes are exciting, but not off-putting. The reason I really love this era of Tall, the era that we're getting into, for me, Catfish being really the, the centerpiece of all that, is it feels very positively grungy. Like, it feels very... There's a relaxedness to it. There's a... Mm. It feels very American in a way. I don't know how else to describe it. Like, it's it's kind of... The blues has started to make a little bit of a re-entry in this sound, but in a rock format. I was going to say it's it's very rock. It's very, very rock to me, and it's it's a unique twist on it. What albums were out in 89? What are the top albums from 89? What are the, the albums of the era? So in 89, we've got, as expected, we've got quite a variety. We've got Like a Prayer from Madonna. Pretty Hate Machine from Nine Inch Nails. So they were around in, in 89. Wow. Pump from Aerosmith. Wow. Dr. Feelgood from Motley Crue. Cuts Both Ways by Gloria Estefan. Soul Provider by Michael Bolton. Oh Mercy by Bob Dylan. Skid Row by Skid Row. Oh, Bleach from Nirvana. Okay. It's a, yeah. Sort of the classic of modern, what I would call modern rock, although it's probably not really modern anymore. It's the start of it, for sure. It's sort of the transitional point into the modern era of rock as opposed to classic rock. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's not the 60s and 70s anymore. It's almost the 90s. We're getting this new wave. Mm -hmm. And what I love about this sound is that it really is, it feels like it's honoring and bringing that old-fashioned sound into a new era. I think that there's a little bit of new energy coming from Don Perry. Mm -hmm. His drumming is so driving. It's got a new personality that we've never heard before. I'm really excited to hear more of him. Yeah, definitely. Ian is not holding back with his flute trills. It's a little less pretty than perhaps we've heard in other tracks in the past. It's a bit dirty. You hear the breath. He really pushes it with his voice. And to that point, he's not trying to croon. Right, exactly, yeah. He's like, oh, hey, guess what? Rock and roll. Let's go. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. fantastic. We've got... 
our customary tall breakdown in the middle has some ripping tambo. Really goes ham with that. It's great. The leader of this song, the standout, is Martin's guitar. Just shredding away, starting to smoke at the seams and... He does not care. He will play it into oblivion. It's the first sound that we hear, and it's the sound that carries us through, carries us out. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. It is the sound of the passion, of desire to be consummated. <laughs> yes. Absolutely, yes. To be quenched. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Anything else to say musically about this song, Nick? No. Three and a half minutes. Not bad. You know, your standard. That is about average for most American men, yeah. It's not a marathon. I could almost see this as being a radio single, honestly. I mean... Absolutely. It's got the right tone. And it's not even that overtly sexual. I mean, think about, I think, a song that you've brought up before, I've Got Big Balls. Yeah. You know, this is at least a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, tongue-in-something. It's as veiled as I've Got Big Balls, I think. I would say more so. I've Got Big Balls is talking about, like, aristocrats going to sure, balls. Sure, sure, Well, I'm upper, upper class high society. God's gift to ballroom notoriety. And I always fill my ballroom. The event is never small. The social pages say I've got the biggest balls of all. That's as euphemistic as Kissing Willie gets, really. Okay, here we are in the middle. Since we literally chronologically just recorded yesterday, we have no correspondence or anything. <laughs> so, Omen, you've got a special little treat for us. Everybody, tuck yourselves in, have some cocoa. Yeah. Mark, only three marshmallows this time, please. <laughs> this is a reading from songfacts.com. Gotta be good. On the subject of Kissing Willie by Jethro Tull. Willie is British slang for the penis, and this song is about oral sex. There are other sexual references throughout the song, something that is not typical of Jethro Tull. Fact. <laughs> I just love, and this song is about oral sex. <laughs> Let's see, it goes on. In spite of the apparent body nature of the lyrics here, Jethro Tull frontman Ian Anderson is no lecher. As he told us, I'm usually rather put off by naked ladies unless the time is right, which is 4.15 on a Wednesday. <laughs> well, indeed, unless the money's right. I'm not sure what he means by that. Ooh, yeah. In fact, he turned down performing at Woodstock based on the likelihood of it being a scene involving naked women and hippies. That sounds like a real thing, but is unconfirmed. Yeah, I, I think it was more the drug scene, wasn't it? Probably the whole thing. Yeah. Just a, a pool of uncomfortable. And it actually f does fit in pretty well with what you read in the blurb from Silent Singing. Right. That, you know, the vibe, the locker room of Jethro Tull is mostly talking about Centrum Silver multivitamins <laughs> and not so much about sexual conquests. <laughs> Maybe investment. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What farm are you opening now? Yeah. Yeah. I do like what he said about taking on the persona of like, you know what, I'm going to try to step into the boots of a braggart. The macho. I think he said the, the, macho, the macho character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's great. What a, what a fun exercise. Stepping into the character of the typical macho male down at the boozer with his mates recounting body tales. Right, 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 right. Well, 
I'm excited to talk more about the lyrics. Let's do that on the other side of this sting. Emphasis on licks. Lyrics, lyrics. That doesn't make because shh, shh, shh. I never said don't, that. Don't save it for the podcast. <laughs> Okay, here we are, Omen. I think it's pretty clear. Thank you to songexplainer.com or whatever it was. This song is about oral sex. Oral sex. Yeah, so interesting. Oral sex has always existed as, as far as I know. As long as there was genitals and a mouth, it has existed. Someone did that. Yeah. But- the social mores around oral sex have often been quite taboo, even though there is documented evidence that everybody was always sucking each other off. Talking about it has only recently become somewhat acceptable or a sexual practice which is not really, really, really looked down on. Yeah, I mean, there are Grecian vases with all sorts of things going on. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The Vatican Library is stacked. Replete with oral manuals. Yeah. So this song is basically set up for one-liner, one-liner, set up for one-liner, one-liner, set up for one-liner, one-liner. And yet it manages to both incorporate and not fall into the trap of some of the kind of stock sex rock and roll phrases. Such as? Like, what's a stock sexual rock and roll phrase. Well, for instance, I mean, we have the line, nice girl, but a bad girl's better. Nice girl, but a bad girl's better. That's pretty close to what I would expect out of poison or, or something like that. Yeah. She makes me want to be bad. My nanny taught me everything I know. She's a bad girl. She's a bad girl. She makes me feel bad. And I'll make her badder. So bad, it's good. Whatever. <laughs> nice all of that nice girl yeah. but a bad girl's better reminds me of the Mae West line somebody says to her oh you are good and she says well when I'm good I'm good but when I'm bad I'm better well when I'm good I'm very good but when I'm bad I'm better any chance for a Mae West quote from you now I love it oh my gosh but then that's contrasted with she eats filet of soul and washes it down with sparkling wine she eats filet of soul and washes it down that's not something you would find in a regular rock song. Yeah. Is it a double entendre? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Could be. Or maybe it's just saying that she has refined taste. That's true. She's a nice girl. She's a nice girl who's slumming it. She's a high society lady who's gone to the market town. Right, where she's breaking hearts. Breaking hearts in a market town. Where she's breaking hearts. Nice girl, but a bad girl's better qualifies in both ways to my mind so she's both a nice and a bad girl i could see her both ways yeah but regardless of all that now she's kissing <laughs> willie could be the best friend and love rival of the singer as Ian, for the briefest of moments, postulated and then said, I'm full of shit and you know it. It's about oral sex. The second verse relies on an extremely old trope, which is well represented in the Decameron and Shakespeare 
and Ovid and all of them. She shows a leg, shows it damn well, and knows how to drive a man right back to being a child. She shows a leg, shows it damn well, knows how to drive a man right back to being a child. This idea that women have a power over men mm. expressed through sexuality, which can reduce them to a state of infanthood. Freudian as well. Feels very Freudian to me. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he would have a heyday with this with with this music video and this song. For sure. <laughs> Tell me more about this video. I can't I can't take it. Oh penises, is, your mother. Ah This Villy, is he in the room with us right now? Well actually Dr. Freud. Do you is. feel like kissing him? <laughs> well, she's a nice girl, but her bad girl's better. This idea that you know the the duality of woman is another old trope that we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. The Madonna whore complex, her good girl and her bad girl, yes, are distinct personalities that exist within within the whole. Right. I can read it in her cheating eyes and know that in a while, well, she'll be kissing Willie. Well, interesting is it because she's in a relationship already and so he's getting the the darted glances as Boccaccio might call them yes maybe it's kind of it's all conjecture in this one there's not a whole lot of concrete information the secret missives of her eyes shooting into his email box (laughs) (laughs) you've got mail bing you've got (laughs) e-blowjob you've got an erection You've got several. <laughs> I'm sorry. Willie stands and Willie falls. Willie hangs his head behind gray factory walls. Willie stands and Willie falls. Willie hangs his head behind gray factory walls. That's quite funny. That seems like a reference to, to trousers or to briefs even. Yeah. I love that gray factory walls, like mass-produced garments. It almost feels like an homage to like the working class that we heard in Crest, you know, there's like a little bit of it there. Yeah. And then she's a nice girl, but her bad girl's better. Me and Willie just can't help come when she calls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, again, this idea that man, writ large, is powerless to resist the charms of a certain type of woman. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there's this, not a trope even, but there's a theme in history and in literature we see in the modern day where a man has been powerless to resist the temptation of a woman. Mm-hmm. And then says, well, it's her fault because she tempted me. Adam and Eve, the first story, yeah. Sure. Whereas Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. And Jesus, he was, he was onto something there. He, he was onto something. <laughs> if you can't keep it in your pants, have you considered becoming a eunuch? Remove it 
and then it won't come out of your pants. <laughs> this feels a little bit playing with that trope. And obviously Ian isn't is taking the piss out of the stereotypical macho man here. Right. It's not my fault. But he's playing with those tropes in a fun way. Right. Exactly. Almost victim blaming. Very nearly there. Oh, uh, definitely. Exactly. Victim blaming. Okay. <laughs> victim blaming plus victimized by the victim. I'm the real victim here, and I like it. Victim blaming and slut shaming. Victim blaming, slut shaming, and bragging all at the same time. It's an amazing juggling act that men of a certain type have to do philosophically. To exist in their own worlds, yeah. It's her fault that I look at her as such a slut. Aren't I great? <laughs> in a nutshell, yeah. I mean, that sums it up right I there. Think that's, that's our new t-shirt. There it is. Bestseller. Well, Omen, anything, anything else about Kissing Willie? Anything groundbreaking? Anything you want to add to this? Anything in depth that we have yet to uncover? <laughs> from behind the not, gray factory not that walls? Can be discussed in a public setting. <laughs> not that I want to do. Well, let's now. see. What, let's see. How does this song lead in to the next series of songs? So next is Rattlesnake Trail. And then mm -hmm. we have Ears of Tin, Undressed to Kill, Rock Island. Undressed to Kill being the other barely veiled uh, sexy song. Yes. Heavy Water, another Christmas song. The Wailers Do's, Big Riffin Mando, Strange Avenues. And then we move on to Catfish. So it is sort of like the sexy working class. Sex for the working class. Hmm. Work for the sexy class. Sex work at the back of class. Sex work after class. <laughs> Nick, what are we kissing next week? Next week, I think I will abstain from the kissing because I don't want to get a bite. We're on Rattlesnake Trail. <laughs> it was close. It's not bad. It sounded more like more like a, a vibra slap than anything. But <laughs> Nick, next week we are riding the Rattlesnake Trail. Get your boots on. Get your neckerchief positioned in a jaunty fashion until then i can read it in your cheating eyes that you want to subscribe to our discord chat where you can brag and bemoan your past successes and failures along with all the rest of the brilliant tall skulls from an international community well, she's a nice girl, but a five-star rating and review is better. So much better. Drop one into your podcatcher of choice, please and thank you. I show a leg and show it damn well when I wear my branded Talk Tall to Me t-shirt and nothing else. Available from our Tee Public page. Until next week, 
I am Willie. Nick McGill. <laughs> I'm Willie. Sorry you had to hear that joke, Omen Thomas said. <laughs> we qualify both ways in your mind, the feckless momes. And this is best washed down with sparkling wine. Talk tall to me. Welcome back to Rider High School. For wonderful fall season awaits us. Uh, please be on time for class. Oh, I'm definitely going to be late for class. Oh, I'm going to be so late. Oh, no. Look who just walked in. It's my boy, Mickey. Oh, oh, Reginald, how was your summer? Oh, my goodness. Uh, all of my dreams came true. I was just, oh. I was just drowning, drowning in the ladies. How about you? Tell me about it. I had to put on waders to get through all of the ladies. Oh. I had to pick up my dog above my head lest it drown in the flood of the ladies. Oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this. I was down at the Jersey Shore. Yeah. And I was sitting there, you know, working on my tan, working on Naturally. my muscles. I yes. saw this beautiful blonde bombshell mm. walking toward me. She walked right up to me. You will never believe this. Yeah, but tell me, what did you do? She walked right up to me. Me. She looked me right somewhere in the vicinity of my eyes. And she said, this is a private beach. You're not allowed to be here. Whoa. <laughs> oh, quite the, quite the slap in the soul. What a beautiful lady that was. I And, you know, she had that special look in her eyes when she said that, you know, like I wasn't supposed to be there. Oh, yeah. And you left, right? You did. You got up and, and left. I did. I did. I apologized right. profusely. And I, uh, I, I left without basically saying a void. Oh, yeah. Wow. What wow. about you? What about you? Oh, let's let's hear. Man. I want to hear all the horny little details. This damsel, she was riding her bike and she rode by and she dropped her handkerchief. Oh. fell out of her pocket. Oh, I just like it in the comic books. I picked it up and I gave it a little sniff oh. and it smelled like like <gasps> perfume. And I followed her down the block oh. and she stopped and got off and she was going into the coffee shop. Oh, my God. She lured you there. She lured you there like a venus, like a penis flytrap. I walked in and I approached her and I said, "Excuse me, ma'am." And she said, "What?" And I said, "I think you <laughs> dropped this." And she said, "Thank you." And then I got a cup of coffee and I left. Wow! I'm oh. surprised you were able to stay for a cup of coffee. I would have just run away. <laughs> that reminds me. That reminds oh, yeah. me. Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah. I was, I was at the ice cream parlor. Yeah. Getting Rocky Road. Of course. Getting my rocks on. Yeah. With Rocky Road. Oh, get them off. And <laughs> I'm allergic to nuts. <laughs> and the girl working behind the counter. Oh, she was so buxom. Ooh. Her hair was like golden wires. Her yes. eyes was like the sun. Uh-huh. Her teeth were like pearls. Oh, gosh. Upon her cheek, a, a war of red and white like damask rose was battling for dominance. <laughs> Her nose was like a, a nightingale what was landed on her face. I was getting ice cream from her. I looked her straight in the forehead and I said, sprinkles, please. <laughs> oh! And do you know what she said? That's not even the best part. Do you know oh, what she said? What'd she say? She said that'll be $2.99. <laughs> ah, she got you. Oh, wow. Very good. So uh, living, to, living on the edge. 
So uh, uh, right in the in the heat of the summer. Oh, I remember it was so hot. It was so hot. The sundresses. I was barely wearing anything. Wow. And I saw this Goyle walking past my house as I was sitting on the porch drinking Whoa. a lemonade through a crazy her. straw. And I said, <laughs> hey, hey, you, hey, hey, you want to meet my friend Willie? Whoa, whoa. She stopped. She stopped and she looked at me. She looked very offended and I don't know why. And I said, hey, this is my friend Willie. And and, and Reggie, then what happened? Right, Reggie, right in public. This is my friend Willie. Hello. Oh, hey Willie. Hey <laughs> Willie. Willie, yeah. have you have you uh, uh you look like a sensible young man. Have, have you heard about the Talk Tell to Me podcast? Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. I, that's the one that's that's a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network, right? <laughs> you go here on a special program, don't you, Willie? <laughs> I don't go to school. <laughs> <laughs>